You're listening to Resilient Forward, a podcast show to educate the public on the people, businesses, governments, and nonprofits working on resilient solutions and innovative strategies to our most challenging environmental issues. I am your host, Irela Bagué, a Florida native and environmental advocate. I have seen firsthand the impacts of climate change and its effects on our economy. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and learn something new about the fight against climate change in our path towards a resilient future. So welcome to Resilient Forward, and it's Women's History Month, and like we did last season, we like to highlight women in climate, and because why? Because we care about the climate. And I am so fortunate to be sitting with two amazing women. Um, Caroline Lewis, who is the founder and senior advisor of the Clio Institute, and Gabby Rodriguez, who is part of the Gen Clio and also a program intern for the Clio Institute right now. Welcome, ladies. Thank you, Irala. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. So, Caroline. Just tell me your story and tell me what inspired you to, to start the Clio Institute, which I have to say um, is one of the most uh, active and empowering climate literacy organizations in the state of Florida. Well, thank you for that, Irela. We, we feel so. We have watched since 2010, we have watched the tent on climate get bigger and fuller. And so what happened to me on my personal journey Born and raised in Port of Spain, Trinidad, a science teacher, a school principal by trade. And I was teaching here in Miami. And I remember in 2010, after I had done some outreach programs and really done things, I decided I'm starting a nonprofit to engage disengaged people. And the climate scientist sat me down and showed me the data and begged me to have the nonprofit focus on climate. So the CL in Clio went from being creative learning to climate leadership. As we stand for climate leadership engagement opportunities. Now, when you're born and raised in an island like Trinidad, everybody is a powerhouse. You, you are your own <laughs> rainmaker, you know? So when we're confronted with challenges, we don't throw up our hands, we roll up our sleeves. So when I really saw the data on parts per million, greenhouse gases, the disruptions beyond sea level rise, I was like, we got to fix this. We got to take this on. We got to make this go away. Give me six months. So I decided I'm just going to take the climate scientist's words and break it down for a lay public. And in doing so, we realized we have to do a top-down, bottom-up approach. We have to get elected officials. We have to get um, chambers of commerce. We have to get lawyers and doctors. We also have to get frontline communities, schools, teachers, and for me, most importantly, the youth movement. So we've spent 10 years sort of building this coalition of the willing, and now we're going after other parts of people who want to engage on climate action. Well, and that's what I love about Cleo's mission, because you are just not, in, you're not just talking, you're preaching to the choir, you're going outside and bringing the choir inside, um, inside the tent, which is great. Um, I, one of the programs, I, two, there's many programs that you all have, but one of them is engaging mayors, um, particularly new mayors. And, you know, you've made, you've, we've made so much progress over the past few years, obviously, yeah. since you started, because back 
when you started talking to mayors. You had you had some mayors in the room that were kind of novices, yeah, novices, yeah. and some deniers. Yes, at the time. Yes. Talk about you know some of that experience. So it's like people used to ask us, "Who is your target audience at Clio?" And we said, "Anybody who says hello to us." And <laughs> one of our funders back in about 2013, 2014 said, can you go after mayors? And I said, yeah, let's do some roundtable lunch discussions. So what we did is we invited six mayors and we they couldn't deputize. They couldn't send other staff members. It had to be the mayors. Right. We offered them a nice cloth napkin lunch, glass of wine, you know, <laughs> loosen them up a little bit. And we made sure that in the group of six to seven, that there were some mayors who were doing nothing and pretty new to the whole concept of climate action and some who were very engaged hoping that the lunch conversation would get rich. And that was the beginning of a truly healthy peer-to-peer um, mobilization of mayors. Jim Kaysen from the city of Coral Gables, for example, he came to one of our first mayor roundtables, and he was hysterically funny. He was very laid back. You know, he has a military background, kind of, mm -hmm. and he was listening to some of the other mayors in the room. I had Phil started there and... Daniel Deitch there, I had Mayor Luna there. So some real go-getters on the climate front. And he was like going, but this is serious. That So long story short, because of these opportunities and seats at the table for people like Mayor Kaysen who were not engaged, he became fully engaged. He asked, what's my first step? What do I do? And he got great advice from his colleagues. And he did a vulnerability assessment for every square foot of Coral Gables and put Coral Gables on a course towards true resilience, which they're really embracing right now. We're a very progressive city, and full disclosure, I serve on the Sustainability Advisory Board for the city of Coral Gables. Uh, shout out to my city, because we are on the front lines and really taking action and climate action, and we just passed a climate emergency resolution. Yeah, and we applaud that. <laughs> we applaud that so much, because it's we've got to celebrate the cities and the people doing mm -hmm. it right because it gets others to exactly, come around. Exactly, exactly. I'll tell you a quick story. One of the things Clio does, not just engaging these very diverse audiences, we have a leadership circle. And every year at our annual celebration, we induct people into this leadership circle. You, Irela, have been inducted yourself. Very true. I'm very honored to have that. For your amazing work in driving climate action through education and, and engagement. I remember about five years into Clio, and we have, were inducting about 12 people that year. And two of them were mayors. And they were from all walks of life, but two of them were mayors. Lovely induction ceremony, wonderful. And another mayor who was at the celebration was not inducted. He came up to me afterwards and he goes, so Caroline, can I ask you, why was I not inducted? And I said, well, what have you done? <laughs> and he said, well, we have a LEED certified green building. I said, well, who doesn't? Go out right. there. You <laughs> go out there new. and you just do a whole lot more and we will consider inducting you. So it's sort of like building a reason to celebrate them for right. embracing the science, understanding the seriousness of this thing and demanding action or instigating action. So another program that I absolutely love is your Climate 101s where you go into all types of communities, particularly the underserved communities. Uh, that really don't have a voice at the table oftentimes. And you bring these climate 101s and then you have this other leadership um, empowerment, empowerment um, program where you actually teach people how to advocate 
from these underserved communities. First, you, you teach them the science, and then you teach them how to get out there and go in front of their city commissions and go in front of not be afraid to really speak and advocate for what their needs are and how important this issue is to everyone, not just to some. Crucial. So I'll tell you, you know, you're right on, Irela. So in about 2014, when Clio had been bopping along for about four years, we did what we call gap analysis. Who are we not reaching who really have to be at the table? Knowing everybody needs to be at the table, but who do we need to target? And we came away with these underrepresented low-income communities. And I remember going to one of our funders and saying, can we get a $50,000 grant to do a pilot in four underserved communities? And they said, no, that's not what we fund. And I had a temper tantrum <laughs> in that room talking about just that, that if we don't have people without safety nets advocating in their own interests, speaking truth to power, and really getting a seat at the table, then we're failing in all the great missions we write and all the visions we create. And I just think it's ridiculous that you won't fund this. Long story short, three months later, we got the funding. And that's when we decided Cleo's working in these communities. And we did it this way. We went into each community four times. First time to listen. What do they know? What do they want to know? Mm -hmm. What are their biggest needs or fears or concerns or pride points? The second thing we did is we worked with them to create a town hall and they set the agenda. And we Cleo picked one person from the listening session who had some gumption yeah. to be the lead on that town hall. And we had city and county electeds there as well. It was amazing. The third thing we did was train them in the Climate 101. And then the fourth thing is invite them to be part of the speakers network. In the past three years, we've taken that model and blown it open. We've developed that outreach into the Empowering Resilient Women outreach. So our research tells us that women are the change agents in their household, in their communities. They are, you remember the Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yes. The man might be the head, but the woman is the neck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole idea is that if we give women the tools and the power to understand climate and to advocate that they'll get it done. So that same outreach has now taken on an empowerment and advocacy and letter writing and going to commission piece that is really exciting. And may I say, the communities that we're reaching in Alapata, in Overtown, in Liberty City, Shawcrest, Edgewood, the, the, these women, and it's not just exclusively women, but mostly women and men, they are becoming true citizens and they feel like their voices are important and needed and that they're being heard. So that is part of what we feel most proud of as we move forward engaging more audiences. So let's talk about the future because you know, you and I are mature women. I like mature. <laughs> Um, but, you know, and we're obviously working on these issues because they're very important to us, but really the beneficiaries of what we do and what we don't do will be the future generation. And so we're fortunate to have Gen Clio, which is your program devoted exclusively to young adults and young people, because they're really the ones that have to take this and carry it and inherit whatever we leave. So talk to me about Gen Clio and then let's get into, you know, um, your path, your path, Gabby, through that program. Well, let me just start before we turn it over to Gabby, who is one of the most exciting leaders in the Gen Cleo movement. Youth have always been a part of Cleo, and we used to call them the Youth Task Force, mostly high school and college kids who were taking it on. 
they rebranded themselves as Generation Cleo, Gen Cleo, about four years ago, because they want to be climate leaders. And they said, build us as a generation of climate leaders. And nothing gives me more pride than to give a seat at the table for the young people to find their voice and share their voice. But we tell them, don't you dare ask for the microphone before you know your facts. Absolutely. So we insist yeah. that they get trained, that they get certified as clear climate speakers, and that they, they have their facts down so that their passion is framed in some deep science and some authentic facts. And let me just tell you, what we have done with Jen Cleo, and I'll let you talk from the emergency declarations we've mm -hmm. had to the training and the summits we've had to the podcasts we're doing. It is my pleasure to have you here from Gabby now. And Gabby, tell the audience, the listening audience, Anirella, exactly what Jen Cleo does for you and what you do for it. Yeah, definitely. So thank you, Caroline. Um, Jen Cleo is our youth advocacy program. And what the Clio Institute does with these students is that we give them the tools and guidance they need to drive climate action at a local level. So we turn these students into climate activists. And the important part, like you mentioned, is not just giving them the civic engagement, but the climate engagement, or, I'm sorry, climate education. So if we're gonna be speaking at commissioner meetings, if we're gonna be organizing strikes, if we're gonna have speakers at these strikes um, and just drive the message of climate home, they need to be literate in what they're talking about because one false uh, statement and then it looks really bad, especially on the part of a young person. Yeah, and it ruins the credibility of you know who you're representing and, and the whole the whole the whole movement. And Definitely. it gives fodder to the deniers to right. say you know they don't even know what they're talking about. Right, so. right. So having your facts straight is critical. Definitely. So on a personal note, I became involved with Jen Cleo um, as I started working at Cleo as a program intern. As a 20-year-old, like you said, I'm inheriting this planet and realizing the urgency um, of that was terrifying to me for a while before I started even consider, considering to work in climate education. But once you learn about the climate crisis and you understand that there are solutions and this is an opportunity rather than a catastrophe, then you all you need is really the empowerment to go out and speak about it so now as a young person i don't in a sense feel terrified through gen cleo and through the students i've been working with we just feel ready to talk about climate and get this solved on a local level miami should be the city as ground zero that should be leading climate action we should be showing other cities around the country and everybody in gen cleo knows that and agrees with that too and that's part, that's the reason for the work we're doing this is our home at risk we're at ground zero and we want to be the city leading in renewable energies, a just transition, et cetera. Um, so yeah, Gen Cleo is just an incredible group of kids, including myself. And I think that um, it's very much needed at this point. We've seen with the climate movement um, that we're seeing climate action happen now in this country because kids are taking the simplicity of this issue in a sense and running it with it and just telling their elected officials, listen, we've been burning fossil fuels for too long and it's time to stop that. That's a great, and you know, so glad that you brought up solutions and that you're not, you know, just like, you know, throwing your hands up and, and just ask, just passing climate emergencies, you know, with these cities, but actually taking these um, elected officials and making them set a plan for action. Right. And um, our podcast is all about solutions. We don't, we don't talk about doom and gloom because we know 
you know, that there are solutions out there and we all have to kind of like work together, all hands on deck mm-hmm. to um, to really move move the needle on some of these things. And, and we are doing some things, which is great. And we need more voices. So it's a very encouraging what you all are doing. And um, it's, you know, were you were you all inspired by Greta? Because, you know, it's again, it takes girls and women to really push push this these agendas forward. I'm very excited about that. And does that what she's doing on a global level, does that translate itself to the local level? Definitely. Um, I think that Greta's presence in the movement has been a vehicle that's pushed this movement to a place that we haven't seen it in years. Um, that's why we've seen such a growth in the last year and a half in the climate movement. But it's, you know, it's not just Greta. There are hundreds of youth activists, especially women of color in this country, such as Issa Hersey, sorry, Issa Hersey, Jamie Margolin, other students that are also very inspirational and students here too like there are local activists here in miami such as gabby marchesani nicole gazzo women that um are really doing more than just activism here in miami and it's very inspiring and so you mentioned solutions and like for jen cleo what we see at the moment as quote-unquote our solution is driving home those climate emergency declarations like we spoke about because that like you said gives a backbone it's sort of it's a piece of legislation that gives a backbone to what the city needs to be enacting and what the city promises. So as the city promises it, we can then hold them accountable. They don't live up to that. So how many cities so far um, have? Six. Six? Six, yeah, call them out. You yeah, know them? definitely. Let's, so, give them, let's give them all a shout out. Yeah, that's what we'll do. So we've had six municipalities uh, mm-hmm. declare climate emergency so far. City of Miami, City of Miami Beach, North Bay Village very recently, City of Coral Gables, City of Palmetto Bay, and the last one I'm Surfside. And Surfside, yeah. Town of Surfside. Town of Surfside. So um, we also are expecting from Cutler Bay soon, but the overall goal right now is to get the county to declare climate emergency because that would just be huge. You know, that would encompass the municipalities. Um, and that's the intention of the work being done now through Gen Cleo and the strike that we're going to be holding on Earth Day. But Gabby, explain how you're organizing the Gen Cleo group to reach the county commissions in their districts. Right, so in Miami-Dade County, there are 13 districts and we have students who are constituents of these different districts. For example, I'm a constituent of District 11. Um, And what we are having these students do is to split up into groups according to the district they live in. And as a group of maybe three or four students, reach out to their commissioner so that when the resolution of climate emergency is proposed at a city commissioner meeting, we know that these commissioners who will vote on it have been addressed by their student constituents that they want them to support it. Um, so it's sort of like a dividing and conquering. And most of the reception when the students meet with these elected, it's good, very good, or not so good? Um, I guess in between. So we have some commissioners that are very, like, into it and support it. And then there's definitely some commissioners who are not as much, but it's also some waiting time. It's not so easy to get a response right but away. It, but to me, it seems like a good opportunity for you all to you know, get in front of them and educate them as well. Because you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there, sadly. Um, but just getting the science right, like what we were talking about before, getting the facts straight. This, and you know, some, some critics say, well, just passing a climate emergency, you know, it's just a piece of paper, you know, it's, you know, what, once they do this, once these cities do this or these governments do this, what are the expectations? I mean, you just don't walk away. You have to like then say, okay, we're going to work with the city and really 
work on their lowering their emissions and, 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 and implementing some actions. Right. So the declaration, um, it asks that the city commits to shifting to renewable energy by 2030, actually. And it asks that it does this through a just transition, which means that all the communities that live in Miami, we're such a cultural, uh, diverse city, and we do have a wide gap here on, socio- on the socioeconomic level, um, that we do this in a way that incorporates everybody and there's nobody left behind and that this doesn't end up being something where we see uh, harmful climate gentrification and issues like that. So that is what the declaration demands. It demands that the municipality understands this is a climate emergency. So when that is done and the city puts that forth and they all agree on it, then we have the power to hold them accountable if they don't live up to their promises in the next 10 or so years. Right. So that's great. So, you, so you, me, and, and you have touch points along the way, right? I'm, I'm assuming because, you know, people forget. <laughs> well, we're developing that and right. we're going to be having checking in. But let me say why what you asked, what you said was so crucial. The first group they went after was City of Miami and the students were striking there every Friday. Now, Gen Cleo, this, this Cleo-led movement, is really a, a coalition of other youth movements, Fridays for Future, Extinction Rebellion. Right. There's a lot going on there. But when they were meeting outside of the city of Miami, um, City Hall, Francis Suarez pulled up one day in his adorable black limousine-looking thing. <laughs> and he came out very sweetly to come and speak to the kids. And this is the mayor of the, the city of The mayor of the city of Miami. And so these students are like striking with their little signs up and speech-making. And all of a sudden, Suarez comes and he's shaking hands with them. And they're saying, we want you to declare an emergency. And he says, no, 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 mm-hmm. I will not. I will act like it's an emergency, but I will not declare an emergency. And I remember a couple of the kids, mostly high school and college, coming out of the circle around Mayor Suarez and saying, man, he's not hearing us. And I'm dusting them off and going, yes, he's hearing you. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time anybody's ever asked him that. You get back in there and keep talking. And two to three months later, there's Francis Suarez declaring a climate emergency. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about getting started. Yeah. And not only that, but after he declared climate emergency at that meeting that we went to and spoke, he came outside of the building afterwards and he personally thanked us as a group of students for bringing this to light. And Doesn't that just give you yeah. goosebumps? Yeah. yeah. Like he was like, you know, this was, I'm, I'm so grateful for the work you guys have been doing. Keep it up. And I'd love to stay in contact as we um, develop a, cli- a carbon neutrality plan. And it was just... Yeah, that's what fantastic. Amazing. Great turnout. Well, congratulations because that's huge. And, you know, City of Miami is one of the largest cities, you know, here in in the state. So, you know, that's that's a big impact that you've made. Um, uh, and, and again, it's like keeping at it. And, and you know, having a young mayor also matters because <laughs> he has little kids and he yeah. understands where you guys are coming from. And like I said before, you're inheriting whatever it is that we're giving you. Um, and hopefully we, we give it to you in, in, in better shape than it is now. You know, we had a Gen Cleo-led um, forum strike rally outside of the city of Miami Beach City Hall mm-hmm. in September. And it was so well attended, about 600 people, all ages, all walks of life, but it was youth-led. It was organized by Gen Cleo. The speaker lineup was Gen Cleo. It was amazing. And I just remember just walking around the crowd, taking it in. And one little girl who had seen that I was helping organize kind of tugged my shirt. She couldn't have been more than eight. Mm-hmm. I think her name was Dana or something like that. And she tugged my shirt and she goes, Miss, can I speak? 
And I said, well, what were you going to speak about, honey? She goes, my future. Oh. All right, come with me. And I, t- <laughs> I took her to the uh, Gen Clear right Youth person. Leaders, and I said, she wants the microphone. And they gave yeah. her the microphone, and she spoke to the crowd about her future and why climate action matters. Mm. So the idea is, I'm seeing a lot of women leaders mm-hmm. in the climate fight. I see a lot of women leaders in the youth as well. I see a lot of boys and men as well. But it's really inspiring for me to watch these young girls want to share their voice on this issue and demand in an unapologetic way a livable world for themselves. Absolutely. I mean, that's what we want for everyone, right? Correct. So how does one get involved with Clio? Um, you know, with the different programs, obviously. Um, if you want to be a Clio leader or if you want to be part of Gen Clio and the work that you're doing, um, how, do, how do we get in touch with you? We have a great website. Mm-hmm. You need to get on the website and sign up. You can sign up for Gen Clio on the website. We have a Clio Speakers Network where we offer trainings for that. You can sign up for that online. Once you sign up, you start getting our newsletters and our e-blast, which has all the events. We have a major... Um, Symposium. Symposium coming up on March 28th on climate and health. We have a powerhouse lineup of speakers and panelists to connect the dots between sure. our warming world and the incredible health trickle out that comes from that that we need to be prepared for. And so there's so many ways to get involved. With the Gen Clio, we have monthly meetings. And yeah, uh, so we have with Gen Clio, we have a meeting every month. Um, they focus on whatever like we have on the agenda to tackle in the city. And the best way to get involved with GenCleo is, like you said, to go to the website. There's a tab called Programs, and then underneath you can hit the GenCleo one. Um, and then we'll add you to the newsletter and the WhatsApp chat, and you'll just be thrown into a group of kids that are ready to tackle this. And, it's awesome. you know, what a great group it is. And yeah. um, a shout-out to Yoka Arditi Rocha, the executive director of the Clio Institute, who is another dynamic fabulous woman doing amazing things for our community. And um, I want to thank you both for your time. Um, it was a great conversation. We can probably keep talking all day, but, you know, that would get a little boring. <laughs> but thank you, Irela, really, no, thank you. For, for highlighting yeah. this. It and, means a lot to and us. And I love, you know, the Clio Institute, your tagline, it's time for a climate change of mind, and it certainly is. And hopefully, you know, we'll talk to you all again and, and hear about the progress you've made in maybe future cities. Thank you. Anytime. Yeah, and let me throw in one quick thing really Mm -hmm. quick, if that's okay. If you want to learn more about youth climate activism, me and JP, which is one of our leading activists here in in Gen Clio in Miami, we're starting a podcast too. It's called House on Fire, and it's going to be available on all platforms, so stay tuned for that. Well, great, and I hope you invite me to that podcast. We'll do it. Invite you to my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a podcast to podcast. Amazing. <laughs> love it. Love Thank it. you so much, Irela. Well, before we end, we always, always ask each of our guests the same question. What does resilience mean to you? And we'll start with Gabby first and then, then with Caroline. To me, resilience means an educated community. I don't like to think about seawalls and... <laughs> raised roads because I, as somebody that's inheriting this planet, I've noticed that um, a, a very educated community is what builds resilience because then from there we get the right votes and the right empowerment. Beautiful. And, and I, I agree, resilience is a big word. It's really huge. But I think it really means it, it needs to be very inclusive. 
So when we talk about resilience, everybody needs to be resilient. What does that mean? You need to be able to prepare for and recover from disruptions. So for us to prepare for disruptions and recover from, if you have no safety nets or disposable income, it's much harder. So the equity lens in resilience is what I keep pushing. Because resilience is an important, you need resilient infrastructure, but you need resilient people as well. So that's what I think it means to me. Beautiful. I love it. I get so many different answers every time. <laughs> Thank you both so much for joining us on Resilient Forward and talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Resilient Forward. Don't forget to like this episode on your favorite podcast platform and share with your friends and colleagues. If you would like to know more about Resilient Forward or join us as a guest, please visit www.resilientforward.com. Join us next time and remember, our environment is our economy.